And you're here for Breaking the Mold. And uh, let's see, I just want to quickly, yes, to our young producers. And I'll let them all introduce themselves, but um, I just wanted to introduce Nikki Silva. It's so great to be here. Last year at Third Coast, um, Davey and I were lucky enough to sit in on one of these sessions where all of the young producers played their work, and it was really the highlight of the entire conference for me. And so I'm really happy to be involved with all the young producers and new producers here during this session, and I hope it continues to be a real focal point of the conference in the future. Um, we have lots of folks here today, and I'm going to ask everybody if you'd introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and the program that you're from. Jessica? Um, hi, my name is Jessica Jones. I'm from WDIY um, Community Public Radio. Uh, it's in the Lehigh Valley. It's, the station's in Bethlehem, but we serve um, the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. I'm Rhea Robertson. I'm from uh, KDNK through the program uh, Andy Zenka Youth Empowerment. And we live in, or we are in Carbondale, Colorado. I'm Fabio. I'm also from the KDNK in Carbondale, Colorado. I'm Lewis, also from KDNK Youth Empowerment Program. I'm Rocky from Brooklyn, New York, for <laughs> Radio Rookies W1. I'm Sophie, I'm also from Radio Rookies with Dr. Okay, we're going to start with Jessica. Okay. <laughs> um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you got involved with your program at WDII? Yeah, um, well, my parents are members of the station, and one day a newsletter came advertising this program, so I thought, uh, yeah, why not get into it? It's a new opportunity. Um, and I've been with it for four years now. This is my last year. Um, and basically, should I talk about what we do there? Sure. Um, yeah, we put together news features that are aired between segments, um, NPR segments, on Friday mornings. And um, they're either community-related or just, you know, a funny commentary or an interview with someone. Um, so they kind of run the whole gamut. Um, but what I have today is just a feature I did um, this summer, which was part of a kind of informal series of things to do around our area. Um, so it's like four minutes long. It's a short piece. Before we hear that, can you just tell us like how many people in the program and when did it get started? Um, well, it's kind of fluctuated. When I started, there were five. Now there's about 14. Kind of goes up and down. Um, there's people from all ages. People from like a 30 mile area. We. I don't know. I guess that's it. So, is there anything you want to say about your piece before we play it? Um, yeah, sure. It's. For anyone who doesn't know, well, I guess it, it talks about it, um, the Martin Guitar Company. It's kind of just a, a light piece. It's not really very serious. So I guess all these people with serious issues, so get your, your happy stuff out now. <laughs> okay. This is WDIY News. The Martin Guitar Company has been a cultural fixture in the Lehigh Valley for more than 150 years. Recognized worldwide as the standard of excellence for acoustic guitars, Martin remains a truly people-oriented company while continuing its heritage of quality and innovation. WDIY Youth Media's Jessica Jones recently toured their Sycamore Street factory in Nazareth. My personal tour guide, Chris Thomas, was a couple minutes late for our appointment. That's perfectly understandable. 
because his excuse was a phone call from John Mayer, the current darling of acoustic pop. Not only does every average guitar player yearn for a Martin of their own, but artists as disparate as Beck, Johnny Cash, and now John Mayer look no farther than the small Pennsylvania company to supply their instruments. To truly understand the Martin mystique, a visit to the factory is in order. So I open my ears to the grinding and sawing and learn something about what makes these guitars so great. Now we're in the finishing department and here's the guitars are done being built and done being sanded and they're being prepped for the finish. And that's one of the um, things that Martin really focuses on in terms of quality. It's sort of like fine furniture, the, the lack of finish. The base, you know, the pores are filled in with filler. From there, they're sprayed several times and lacquer sanded in between to, you know, produce that, that high quality finish. Chris, from the artist relations department, led me through a maze of warring machines and chatty workers, explaining every step of the guitar building process. At Martin, every guitar is touched by human hands, continuing the original CF Martin tradition. Technology employed at the factory ranges from massive computerized lacquer sprayers to simple wooden clothespins. It's the perfect balance between futuristic technology and old world customs. The workers themselves recognize the rich musical legacy that they are a part of. George Mulchaney, a longtime Martin employee, explains the vibe. It's a great environment. Uh, they, you know, they treat you well. Uh, if you're a musician like myself, it's an extremely nice place to work. It's a hands-on thing where you're working on the, you, get, you, you know, the thing you love the most. Uh, it's in your blood, so you, there's a lot of pride here. And uh, even with the non-players, they know that we're number one, and everybody seems to want to keep it that way. The Martin Guitar Company also holds a strong belief in giving back to the community. They hugely support area music events such as Music Fest and the Wing Gap Bluegrass Festival. Godfrey Daniels, a folk venue in downtown Bethlehem, has its own custom Martin model and annually raffles off a donated Martin guitar as a fundraiser. On a more educational level, Northampton Area Community College is currently offering a guitar design workshop taught by Martin professionals. Some of these professionals, however, prefer teaching history to mechanics. George Mulchaney. I'm like a clinician. I put on presentations at the schools, at maybe historical societies, uh, talk a little bit about the company's history, which is very fascinating. And any company that could have been here since 1833 and still be in business, booming as a matter of fact, is uh, pretty impressive. You're talking about the Civil War and the World War One, the Great Depression, overcoming all those hurdles, pretty amazing. Uh, 1833 was before the railroad, so just the fact that he was getting exotic wood to, to sell and then distribute his product before the railroad, it was, it was either boat or horse and buggy, and that, that, that's cool. The Martin Guitar Company offers free tours weekdays at 1 p.m. For more information, you can visit their website at www.martinguitar.com. For WDIY News Youth Media, this is Jessica Jones. WDIY Youth Media feature was made possible in part by a grant from Binion Smith, committed to enhancing educational opportunities for young people. That's not one of those grants. We need as many of those as we can get. Um, so how long did it take you to put that piece together? Um, well, actually, the first time I went to interview Chris Thomas at the factory, I thought I had the wrong chord. And, so I didn't do the interview, and it turns out I did have it. So then I had to go back a few days later, and then I had more problems. I don't know. So it, it kind of took me a lot longer than I thought. And I guess um, I guess overall it was like three weeks or four weeks of, I don't know, 
And how did you decide how you were going to put it together? Like, what was your process and what kinds of equipment do you work on and how are you trained in that? Um, well, we use reel-to-reel. -reel. We use little Marantzes, um, quite heavy to lug around sometimes. Um, so we're old school. But uh, I guess I kind of just wanted to show, like, all the different ways that Martin guitar kind of affects our community. Um, it's this little factory um, in the Lehigh Valley, and they ship everywhere. They're really well-known. So I kind of just followed um, Chris Thomas through the factory, and he showed me how all the guitars were built. I met all these workers, so I kind of just wanted to show the different aspects of this um, kind of community company that has more wide region. So how do you come up with the ideas for your programs? Um, well, it depends. Sometimes, based on our grants, we have kind of topics that we do stories on. Um, but sometimes it's just whatever, you know, I'll think, oh, I'm going to this event, so this would have some great sound. Why don't I do a piece on this? Or like a, a march or a protest or something. What other, uh, can you name a few of your other programs that you've done over your four years? Yeah. Um, I. Well, there's Music Fest, which is a big music festival every year in uh, Bethlehem. So I interviewed um, like a local ska band that was playing there. Uh, I did a story on, they were taking telephone, uh, pay phones out of the area because people were using them for drug trafficking. So I did a story on that. I did a story on um, the March for Life in Washington, D.C. because I go to a Catholic high school. So we go to that for a retreat and um, that was really interesting sound. And uh, I don't know, kind of... I mean, and then I've just done commentaries on things I think about high school or drug awareness or, I don't know, whatever I want to do. Not really. What do people think about you at school in terms of your work? Does it make them treat you differently in any way? Oh, well, freshman year when I would walk around and interview people, you know, because I'd have the headphones on and walk through the hall and people just kind of stare at you when you're waving a big microphone in their face. But I guess people are used to it now. They just... It's Jess's radio thing. Um, but I guess people are, are pretty interested. It's not a very common thing. Who else is here from WDIY? These guys are <laughs> Are there questions at all for Jessica from anybody here? Anything that you folks would like to say about your program? How you get your funding? Any tricks that other people might learn? <laughs> can, can you come up to the microphone? Okay. Funding, funding is actually, oh, yeah. Mary Franzo, WDIY, Youth Media. Um, funding is a very difficult thing for us. Uh, we do have a couple of corporations who uh, fund us in the area. We did get an NEA. Endowment of the Arts grant, grant um, this year, but sometimes it's a volunteer thing and sometimes we have money for it. And how do you train your kids? What's your um, approach? Well, we start, we have um, two or three weeks, a couple nights a week. We have sessions on writing and practice interviewing and um, just kind of getting into the studio and playing around on the reel-to-reel, -reel, which we do train them first. And uh, then it's kind of this hands-on. We work together to figure out a story, decide who they're going to have to talk to, what kind of sound they want, and they go out and learn as they go.
We're going to move on to Andy Zinka Youth Empowerment Program. I love that name, and I was wondering, Fabio, if you could tell me where that name came from. Well, it came from, uh, what was name? Yeah, Emily's brother, Andy. Uh, he was a DJ, one of the youngest DJs at the radio station in Carbondale when he was nine years old. And uh, when he was 21, he committed suicide, so uh, Emily uh, thought that would be like a good way to keep like the, the youth in the radio by uh, starting the youth radio program, and so that's how, that's how she started, and she goes around looking for kids to join in uh, with some of the kids that could come to a trip to, over here in Chicago. Lewis, can you describe your radio station a little bit? And talk about your show and how it fits into your format. I, I went to the web and there's a lot of interesting program on, programming on your station. Yeah, um, what basically Kitty and K is, uh, it brings a bunch of local stations, local people with ideas, and gives them a shot to be, a shot to be on air. We have things ranging from jazz to bluegrass to um, country to even Music you never even heard about. So we have we have a lot of stuff, and what we did is that we brought hip hop, something totally different because we don't they don't really get that there. Because it's just a part of the town where it's just not urban, I guess you could say. And um, we grew up in urban cities, the big heat cities, stuff like that in California, and we just wanted to bring something new to their little station. So that's what we do. So, where did, what cities did you, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, um, I was born in uh, Lima, Peru, and uh, father was born in Argentina, and uh, we both met in uh, Lancaster, California, when we were like about, what, sixth grade? Sixth grade. And, uh, but before then, I moved around a lot, I moved from like Newport Beach to um, Santa Ana Riverside, just around California, and then finally I moved to Colorado, and um, I sort of got in a little trouble, so I had to do a community service, and I was trying to find a place where to do community service, and my friend told me about the local radio station, I was like, I didn't really want to do it at first, but then I decided to do it, and it turned out for the best, and here I am now. So do you want to introduce this piece of tape that we're going to hear today? Yeah, um, me and Bobby do a lot of DJing and a lot of mixes and beats, and this uh, most of you heard it last night that this is one of the mixes that we did. We had about four different intros to our show, and this is the last one we came up with. Just play. Okay. Oh, 
50,000 watts of funkin' hip-hop power. have an interesting program for y'all. <laughs> we thought we might pick that up in a second from that spot if you can cue it to that. Wow, you guys. How did, where do you find your material? Because I heard a lot of things that are kind of familiar and some that aren't familiar, but how do you find these things? Um, just listen what's hot out there, what's new, and then we just have uh, turntables, we have um, mixing programs on our computers, and just take time. I remember um, to find some of the songs that was just like up until in the morning working on it, so. You know, it's just like, we like it, and we love making this kind of stuff. And that's why we wanted to be on the radio, so we can share with the rest of the town and city that we're in. What's been the response from your listeners? Did you, do you, did they like it? Or first um, of all, let me ask: What's the show before you guys, and what's the show after you guys? <laughs> uh, the show the show before us is um, the rock group actually, and the show after us is NPR. So right right before news, I mean we're after news, before news and after rock. So uh -huh. and um, we try to reach out to the young crowd. That for some reason most of the people who call us are like 50 year old people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Last time this um, this lady she was, she was a some sort of doctor and she's like 
Can you put on some 50 cents for me? I, I love 50 cents. <laughs> it, it's different because we, we're expecting to hear from young people, but most of the time we hear from the older crowd. Which is, I guess is good because we know that we're reaching out to the adults as well. But yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know, we just have a lot of fun. We try to bring a fun atmosphere to where we, at, where we are inside the radio station and out. We do also like um, uh, DJs at like small parties and big events. Like we had this thing called Mountain Fair and two years now we've been invited back because they really like us and we just have a lot of fun. We have most of us are dancers as well, not only um, you know, DJs, they're also dancers and artists. We have people from all over and we love representing local talent and we have a lot of that as well. So the second part of this cut, can you set that up a little bit? It, yeah, um, the second part is actually just parts uh, that my supervisor, Marilyn, she helped me put it all together with a phone called Cool Edit. She just told me what I wanted to put on and stuff. And and, she, and, what, is, and what does it represent? What is it that we're going to hear? Um, it's basically just the first piece is just part of our show that we had. Um, sometimes we just goof around and just make it fun. And then we also have uh, a rapper that we had a freestyle contest for a while back at a, a local music store. And we just had part of that as he raps and stuff and tells us about himself and also beatboxing. We had a little show about that as well. So that's mostly it. Okay, can we hear that? I can tell you this. We're one in few radio stations that do not play out a song over and over, over again, again in the same day, you know? Topic for today is we're going to have uh, a beatboxing you know, thing. Make your music with your mouth. Beatboxing is the best. Oh, I really like it. Oh, I like the sound it makes. That's Taekwondo on the other line. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I want to say a shout out to everybody out there. You know what I'm saying? Up there? Oh, it's embarrassing. All right, what's up, up, yo? Talk to us. <laughs> All right, man, we're here at Sounds Easy, and already a couple of people have showed up for the freestyle right, contest. Here okay. we go. We ready? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Right. This is my first man right here. He's going to come up first. What's your name, man? Isn't white, yo. What's the deal? Rob Crown family. Okay. That's how we doing this right here. 50, we up in the club, yo. Okay, I can't even hear the beat, but I hear the street. And if anybody want to battle, then they better start to compete. Because I'll eat they meat like it's raw flesh. Don't try to get with ism like Santa Claus to death. I bring them presents, I bring them things. Talking about all the stuff on KDK that I sing. We doing this live, free radio for y'all. You better listen, 90.5, you better call in. Whoa, hey, mess with me, man. Because, like, I was in Denver today, and I must have heard, when I was over there, right, you know that song? Baby, if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. You know what I'm like? That song, Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey, that got burned. Right. That song, they played at least, what, eight times in one day, you know? Oh, yeah. Same I mean, with 50 Cent in the club. Yeah. Oh, man. And they still played it. I heard that at least, yeah. at least 40 times. <laughs> today we're going to play these three <laughs> Over and over again. And over, and over again, and over again. Anyways, enjoy. <laughs> All right. I guess nobody nowadays in this valley beatboxes except for us. That's why we got this hip hop thing going. Yeah. But that was cool then. That people will. Yeah, people will. Yeah. Get the message. The message. <laughs> Let's you know get I mean? the message across. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Trying to take this. You know, I want to 
I want to put like Colorado on the map, you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. coming from around here, a lot of people don't give me credibility, but they, you know what I'm saying? I got, I got four of our members of the Rhyme, or three of our members of the Rhyme Crown Family Entertainment still, you know, locked down doing 12-year bids and, and, you know what I'm saying? It's like we're from a nice part of the woods, but still anything can go down wherever you're at and, you know, it can't take your credibility or whatever you're trying to do away from you because, you know what I'm saying, if it's hot, it's hot, and if you got skills, you got skills, you know what I'm saying, and that's, that's what it should be about, but then they always want to look at you and try and take away from you at certain things that, you know, yeah, it'd yeah. be all good. Are you tired of listening to normal radio? Do you feel like you're in the twisted danger zone? Are you tired of... Same old thing every day. When you're coming home from school, do you feel a little down? Well then, for your listening pleasure, we have the show radio. Listen to us every other Monday from 4, maybe sometimes 4.30 till 5. Thank you. Well, we gotta go, man. Peace. This is the show radio. Peace. Hi, Rihanna. Hi. <laughs> I haven't met you before. <laughs> right now. Tell me about um, your show. Well, they're pretty much like the hip hop guys, and they play the hip hop, and then the other. We say every Monday. The other Monday, so we come on and we pretty much we do whatever like we want to. We like we come up with the stories and we research them. And what we do is live, so we'll, like talk about things. Like the first show that I was on, it was about like um, being a teen pagan in the valley. Cause my friend, that's how my friend like got me in and we like talked and pretty much. We talk about the thing, you know, like play some music and PSAs and whatnot, but it's pretty much live, which is really fun, so. And so how long have you been doing this? I started over the summer, because I thought I started going to meetings, because my friend was like, you need to come to the meetings and whatnot, so I came. It's really fun. <laughs> so do you want to set up this piece that we're going to hear a bit of? Um, yeah, like we were talking about, we have a mountain fair um, every year, and pretty much a bunch of people come in and they, there's like different sections and pretty much we, my friend and I, um, interview people about relationships and attraction and whatnot. So pretty much what it's about. Okay. Because, um, and I love women. So I, I love, I love the curves. I love how they smell. So there's, there's that. But you know, that's just, that's just, you know, surface. <laughs> Some say it stinks, some wait a lifetime for it, others may never find it. What truly attracts one person to another? Are the sexes really that different? For every stereotype, there is always an exception. My name is Rihanna Robertson. This summer, my friend Jen Stroud and I decided to settle these questions once and for all. Mountain Fair draws a large and diverse crowd to my small town in Colorado. It seemed like a good place to start. We went out to find teenagers' views on relationships and the opposite sex. Here's what we found. 
sort of um, pedestal I put women on. And I love women. First comes attraction. What makes sparks fly when you meet someone new? Is it only skin deep or does it go further? Humor, good luck, sexy body. <laughs> Their eyes, definitely are. Yeah. Uh, big, gorgeous, buff, black men, kind of good. Um, tall, taller than me, definitely. A nice body. Their looks are definitely a factor. That's your first initial like attraction to somebody, but. You know, sense of humor is very appealing because I have a sense of humor. If you're looking for a relationship, you got to look for compatibility and, like, personality and stuff, but, you know, the body always There's more people than meets the eye. Beauty may start a relationship, but it won't make it last. What matters more than a sexy body? Personality. Personality? If a guy can't make me laugh, then it's not worth talking to him. Being open-minded. I like intelligence and uh, confidence. The women that I'm attracted to seem to be like really into uh, sort of energy and kind of unspoken things. I love how intuitive a lot of women seem to be. Like they pick up on things a lot faster. Unspoken things, body language, moods, and they kind of can deduce what's going on with other people like much faster than I can. So I'm a little sick. Tony's outgoing and, you know, has their life in some sort of perspective and, you know, shares the same kind of goals and all that. That's attractive. You mean attract, like, as in attract because you want to get with them or, like, have a relationship with them? Hmm, is there a difference? For some people there is. As much as we love the opposite sex, they still find a way to get under our skin. We all know how annoying guys are, but can girls be irritating too? We know it turns people on, but what turns them off? Girls who wear too much makeup, that irritates me. Girls who like to wake me up early in the morning. When they lie to you, and you know that they're lying to you. Shopping. Absolutely everything. They lie, and they cheat, and they cause problems. When they're really, like, big feminists. Immaturity and uh, carelessness. People who aren't considerate of other people's feelings. People are selfish. You know? That's not really attractive. <laughs> I'm being picky a lot. They're really picky sometimes. Laughing at everything. Being immature and boyish. Dumb girls. <laughs> Annoying girls. The, the girl bubbly jiggliness. I hate that. Basically having testosterone. Okay. You sized each other up. You've had a satisfying conversation. Now let's get physical. There's nothing like music to set the mood for romance. So it pops the question, what's the best make-out music? <laughs> um, the best make-out music, I'd have to say something like Bjork. Pretty hot. Yeah, funk. Kenny G or Barry White? Honestly, D'Angelo, stuff like that. The soundtrack to Better Than Chocolate, incredibly sexy. You know, sometimes you have somebody that really likes long, continuous sessions, and so you have like, you know, like Ravi Shankar on like a 45 minute, you know, raga. But maybe you're, uh, you know, you're playing more adventurous, so you put on some, like, more harder core, like, uh, Portishead or something like that. Like, that's a classic, you know, Portishead and Enigma. All the makeup music out there just sucks. I can't even use makeup fine. But if I had to pick one, I guess it'd be reggae. I really like, you know, Ravi Shankar and other kinds of Indian music just laughs and laughs. And it builds really nicely, goes crazy for a little while, and then dims away.
of the Barry White so it can play softly in the background. So, where are you? I'm a really comfortable couch. And you are in public? <laughs> I guess, I suppose. My truck. <laughs> Anyway, you feel comfortable, I suppose. <laughs> Down by the river? No, I don't know. Let's see. Somewhere um, romantic. Somewhere nature, I would say. Yeah. Nature's pretty nice. We leave our lovers romancing by the river and in the truck. We may have not solved all the mysteries of love and attraction, but we know one thing for sure. Love is not one size fits all. I've got a ton of questions. <laughs> First of all, I can't believe that that Barry White song is still like where it is in the pantheon of youth culture because it came out when I was in high school. <laughs> um, so, uh, first on the piece that we just heard, how much tape did you gather and how long did it take you to go through it all? Um, well, it wasn't that much tape, I suppose. It was like 20 minutes or so, but we had like out for an hour. For so, I mean, it sounded like you interviewed like 150 people. Oh no, it was only like it was like less than ten. <laughs> it was. It was like, have a lot to say on the subject. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it's just the funny reactions and whatnot. But it was kind of a pain in the butt to edit like something kept on going wrong. Like, has to be like selected the point, the point that we wanted or something. Like that. And so, did you transcribe everything out and then lay it out to say, oh, okay, this theme. We're going to use these six pieces of tape, and then this theme. We're going to, or, or, did you just hear stuff and say, "Oh, that goes together with that"? Or? Yeah, we kind of. Well, we asked the questions that were like similar, and we put those together, and like, we took out the ones that we like, like the answers to and whatnot, and that, that sounded the best. And then we just kind of, we knew what order you start. I don't know. It's just yeah. And then I wanted to ask you guys, and actually the whole panel. Would, would you listen to public radio, or would anybody that you know listen to public radio if you weren't involved in it? I know my parents do, because I love like NPR. And I'm not asking about your parents. It's but, just like, because NPR and like all public radio is like trying to figure out, all right, how do we get anybody under 50 to listen to this mm -hmm. stuff? And I'm just wondering. I think, yeah, just play like the music we like to listen to, because we like, uh, when we're on, we play like uh, metal and like, rock and alternative and things that we would like to listen to that's not like play, play it on like pop and you know, stupid radio stations. <laughs> All the ones that have I know that before I even got into public radio, I never even heard of this kind of channel. I didn't know what NPR was. I thought, the first time they told me NPR, I thought it said NPR, like multi-purpose stream or something like that. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but now I start to listen to it more, and I'm trying to get my friends to listen to it as well. Because when I go to the city, I usually listen to commercial radio, like radio that, you know. But, but now that I know that other people do exactly what we do, I'm trying to listen to it more. 
question for the show. Uh, was it um was it like what did you have to go to from the station to let you do whatever you want on the show? Like for them to let you do your thing on the show? Um I, I don't know, really we just we talked oh we talked over with our supervisors and stuff like that and see if they like it. And um we just basically talk to people as well. We see what they want to hear because since like I said we try to reach out to the youth community and we ask them what do you want to hear more and they tell us music. Music is something they want to hear. So that's what we do. And we make sure it's all right with our supervisors and the radio station. And we talk it over with people who give us our grants. Uh, like the Aspen, Aspen Springboard Foundation, they give us a grant and we tell them our ideas and they like it. I mean, they, we want hip hop to grow in our community. So that's what pretty much letting us do what we want. Okay, now I'm coming for your story. I love your story. It keeps me awake, thank you. <laughs> I can do it. I, I would enjoy it a lot. It's really fun. If I was off for a job in a year, probably. Yeah, anything like that would be fun. Yeah. I just want, first of all, I just want to thank you all for um, really wake, keeping me awake. <laughs> And um, I just want to follow up on what he had asked to, um, which is thinking about, I guess, the, the blend of some of the things that I've, I've heard, like, or maybe some of the influences that I hear in different things from different ones of you, and wondering about, speak clearly, um, it, it, when we have a news story, say, there, there are some pretty basic strategies and narratives that are often followed in a news story. And a lot of those can sound pretty square. And I guess what I'm wondering is about for like your hip hop show and the kind of textures that we hear you working with, where things can change in an instant and then they're gone and then they're back and there are three voices at once and you can, you may not hear every word but you understand what's really going on. And I guess I'm wondering about how you all would, would approach or does it make any sense to try to bring, in, if you took your show in your way of doing things, and try to do like what would normally be thought of as a news story or a news topic, or can you see a way to kind of bring these things together? Um, yeah, uh, we try to sometimes. We try to get news and music, everything, all involved into one. That's what our supervisors supervisors trying to lead us towards, trying to get more reports, more interviews, things like that out there. And um, we're definitely going to try to do that more. Does, does it feel like square sometimes when you when you do that, or are there things that you can uh, that feel like you're you're like there's a kind of a clash of, of cultures when you're trying to do that? Um, we go by majority majority votes. You know, we see if everybody thinks that's a really big topic and that's a real big deal, then we're going to go for it and we're going to try our best to find out more about it, go deep, and report out there fairly. Thank you. 
Well, I think the main thing is, is we have a lot of freedom. We pretty much can say and do whatever we want. Just, we can't like cuss on air or if we do, like leave it out. But, um, I, yeah, I thought it was a good issue too because we talked about other things um, around that general area. But, so uh, well, like, there's some questions that we thought were like too personal to ask some people sometimes, but like, we knew basically everyone we interviewed, so to like some extent. Like I've like seen them around school or I've seen them around town or whatever. But we, no one told us that we couldn't do it, type thing. So it's kind of nice. And to your first question, um, nobody really tells us, you know, what kind of music we can or cannot play. We basically just try to come up with the best choices we can, and most of the time we do do the give the right choice and put the right music on because we know what they have to say is right or we know the kind of beat they have people like to listen to. And um, But yeah, there are times we do make mistakes on air and we don't play the right kind of music and uh, a bad word here or there will pop out, you know, and it's it's part of radio. It's always going to be a part of radio. Mistakes are going to happen, but we always going to try to do the best choice we can. I'm going to comment a little on that too as the supervisor that's I'm the technical director for this program and uh, we really do give them a lot of leeway you know the mission statement of the program is um, to empower youth through media and the arts and our idea is really to let them explore their own issues and their own ideas and I think the, the language is the main thing that we have to um, watch out for especially with hip-hop music you know in fact I've been really um, I keep wanting them to do a program on that because it seems like there's sort of a disconnect between the music that's being produced today and sort of the values and mores especially just in terms of language and cussing and what's allowed on the air and it's, it's a total disconnect there um, so that might be an interesting um, topic to explore but you know we, tr we try to we are like a four to five in the afternoon slot which is certainly not the, you know, late night, which we wouldn't want for kids anyhow. So we sort of walk a fine line, I guess, between letting them um, talk about whatever is important to them in the way that they want to talk about it and uh, not getting too far out on the edges. But we really give them a lot of leeway because that's what the program's for. And we're a small community in a fairly um, uh, unformatted and non-traditional radio station. So. Hi, Rocky. Hi. This is Rocky Taya, and he is a radio rookie uh, from New York City. Um, Rocky, tell me about your school. I love the name of your school. Um, Edward R. Murrow High School. And Edward R. Murrow High School. So what does that mean that you go to Edward R. Murrow High School? Is it, is it a special... Um, curriculum, as it special classes, what? It's one of the best schools in New York City. <laughs> and, and what makes uh, it that way? Yeah, they're very big on radio and everything else. Edward Rowe himself, the star of CBS radio guy and everything. So, 
definitely a lot of classes for radio. I don't think you could escape it if you go to that school. <laughs> some sort of class for radio. So how did you get involved with the rookies? Um, my mom knew a reporter for WNYC, and the reporter was telling me how there was this program for teenagers and how I should join it. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Then I joined it. And, and can you tell me a, a little bit about the program, like how long are people involved and what's involved in it? The program is a workshop that teaches you how to tell stories and make your own stories and um, teaches you how to use the microphone. It's usually um, six to seven months, but as you know, deadlines are hard to meet, so it's usually eight. <laughs> so, I want to finish the last So is this the first, we're going to hear um, Rocky's story in a second, but is this the first story you've done? Yes, it's the first story I've done. But you've done some other, what? Yeah, I've done some pieces for the WMSCP, um, short pieces, commentary. Um, one was about me being a Muslim in America, and that there already. And what, what kinds of issues did you bring up in that piece? Um, praying. Um, it's hard to pray in school, especially public school, because we have classes. So I'd like to hear that piece sometime. Sure. Um, can you describe the piece we're going to hear now? Yeah. Um, it's a, a very emotional and personal story that deals with me being obese. <laughs> me being obese and my struggle with obesity and my family struggle. It's not sad and messy story, it's a very funny story and sad story. So both like that. We have two excerpts from the story. One from the beginning and then one from the end. Um, and how long is it all together or how long do you think it's going to be when it's it's not quite finished yet, right? No. Okay. So how long will it be? Um I think it's going to be longer than the regular story. The long stories are eight minutes. We want to be um, how it's all consistent. Okay. So, so. Okay. okay. So uh, we're going to hear the the first part. You know when you tell a big story so so much that you begin to believe it. Well, most of my family says when me and my twin sister were in my mom's stomach. I took a paw of the room and squished her into my mother's ribs. That's why they think I came out first. But the reality is that we were both big babies. My mom said when we were born we were a medical miracle. One in a million because we were both exactly the same weight and length. Eight pounds, two ounces. And 21 and a half inches. Now I'm 6'2 and Samia is 5'9. She's skinny. And I am not. My bed, the wheels are popping off. Why? Because you're fat. You need a sense of humor in order to survive in my family. Because my family jokes a lot. What's, what are some of the jokes you say to me? You have no kneecaps. You have a belly button size of an ozone layer. <laughs> a turtle could chase you. <laughs> a turtle could chase me? So let me stop right now. I want you to stop making fun of me. There are eight kids in my family, plus my parents. Half of us are overweight, but nobody is nearly as big as me. 
One day I decided to record what a normal day of eating is like for me. Uh, this is Rocky. Uh, I'm at the bowl with the cheese at 205. There's only one piece of cheese in there. I taste the piece. It tastes really good. So I want much more. I'm ready to eat my cheese. When I'm really hungry, I usually eat whatever is quick to make. And usually the food that's quick to make is quick to eat. Nice, more pieces of cheese. Which means I can eat more. And there's extra eggs on the table, so I'm going to eat that with my cheese. When I was having breakfast, my grandmother and my oldest sister, Sinat, were in the kitchen with me. I just finished my eggs and cheese, and now I'm going to drink a 12-ounce can of orange soda. Eggs and cheese and water and juice. And cereal. What are you doing? You are. You are, you fat boy. I want to show them how much you eat. That's what I'm doing this for, you moron. You're not that skinny yourself. Yeah, you weigh 100 and 200 and what pounds? Everybody quiet. It gets really frustrating when I feel ganged up on. But the truth is the truth. I do weigh a lot, especially compared to my twin. And we're going to go weigh ourselves, honey? Do you want to go weigh ourselves? Yes, let's go hurry up and we're going to go eat again. Tell you. How much? 156, because I just ate. How much do you think I weigh? I think you weigh 420. Yeah, but it's not going to weigh it. So then it's going to say error. What does it say? Error, holy shoot, it does say error. Oh my error God. is my weight. It does say error. You feel good about yourself? Oh. I thought that was impossible for it to say error. I just made that up. Man, error, error, error. Ooh, wow. Think about a joke. Think about a joke. <laughs> you're bony, you're skinny, you're ugly. Man, you weigh an error amount. Okay. <laughs> Even the scale at the doctor's office doesn't go up to my weight. So if I want to weigh myself, I have to go down the block to the pharmacy and pay money. I'm going to put a quarter right now. It says your computerized weight is... 393.7 pounds. Then it says, find out what your future holds. Press your horoscope sign. People write down the future for me all the time. Once I went to see the nutritionist for a checkup, I swear she was like the size of a pencil, and yet she dared to tell me all about my weight and what problems she thinks I'm going through. She doesn't know me, but she tells me you're going to die if you keep putting on weight. I laughed in my mind saying she's on crack. She told me that my knees are going to break, that my hips are going to crack, and all this other junk that I put in through one ear and out through the other. But when my family and people I love tell me the same thing, I listen to them. They say if I just continue getting bigger and bigger, I'm going to have blood problems, joint problems, I'm going to catch a heart attack, not going to be able to walk anymore, not going to have a life, not going to be able to work, and eventually, I'm going to die. Okay, what is your name? Abe Taya. What is your relationship to me? Your dad, of course. What do you think about my weight? Well, your weight is a little too much for you, right? Because if you get my age, you're going to see how hard it is to lose one pound. You're going to wish you lost weight when you're young because if you start to walk a lot and get into sports and pay more attention to you, Rock, you're going to trim up a lot. You understand, Rock? Is my weight a problem for you? No, no, no. I, I, I love you what you are. It doesn't matter weight or no weight. I just worry about you because I'm not here forever. You know, if I pass away and you're going to be like that, you're, doing, you, you're heavyweight while we live. And imagine when we die, you're going to be more heavier. We want you to realize it. 
that you have to lose all that heavy weight and get your life together and love yourself. And you're a very handsome fella, very smart, and that's what my main problem is. I worry about you every day, Rock. Uh, of course, you're my son, and I love you forever. I really don't get myself. I know my parents feel sad for me. Who wouldn't? I'm the fattest kid in my house. I'm the fattest person on my block. I'm the fattest teenager I know. My father makes me run on the treadmill with him watching my every move to make sure I won't slack off. Like one of the tricks in my family is to step on the side rails and take a secret breather. My dad gets so annoying, yelling out, Rocky, you're slimming up, you're slimming up. That's it, kid, you're losing it. Then he tells my sister to tell me I'm losing weight. Don't you want to lose the weight, he asks me. You can't just ignore him. You have to talk back to him. All I want to say is, please stop talking. I just want to take the machine and tie him to it. Hey, this is Rocky. It's Wednesday morning, 10.50. This was pretty hard. How did you do this? Um, just yeah, but it's, it's, it's very hard. It's one of the harder pieces I've ever heard to do. I mean, because you're so speaking from your soul in this one. So can you describe, and also I want to say your writing is incredible. And um, it's really important. So what, how did you come to the idea to do this show? What, what brought you there? What, how did you get the idea to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, we were coming to the point where we had to get the story topic. And I was just going crazy. I was like, I don't know what to say. So it came to me when Sharina, our teacher, said, um, just to basically want to tell a story that comes from the heart. The story that makes me So when she said that, it just clicked in my mind. I was keeping it a secret until I got an idea to say, okay, she was going to have to tell me now, and I did, and then basically that was it, and then I just recorded my advice and then of what I really did and then I put this one on the family, and they were a little strange in my life, and when they got used to it, my two sisters did, that's why we made it, and they did it. Have you ever heard a story like this before that about this subject that um, was speaking to you? No, I've never heard a story of the teenager with the situation, but I can see what you like in similar ways. Thank you. 
What did your friends, how did your friends respond, or how have they responded to hearing parts of this, or have you played it for folks outside of this world? Not yet. Um, uh, my sister-in-law, she's no longer my family here. She, what it is. Okay. <laughs> she, 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 what it is, my sister's family. When I heard the first part, which is all we had, um, I, and it just stopped in the middle, I asked if we could hear just a little bit more, just to see how things develop. And I don't think we're going to have time to hear the whole end, but um, how did? But I'd like to hear sort of where you go next. But maybe you could tell us how you end or are thinking about ending this particular piece or what you want people to walk away with from this piece. There's no going to the gym now. Basically, it's just a little bit of a snow. Like, okay, I'm going to the gym every day. But there are times that. That's what I try to ask. So it's like, now it's going to end where um, I just basically just open up more. Okay, maybe we can hear a little bit more. Um, it's Wednesday morning, 10.52, and I'm with my mom sitting in the living room. She's sewing something, making the dress. Yesterday I decided that I'm going to go on a diet. Mom, what was the deal? The deal is? Yeah. Wait, give you a thousand dollars every thirty pounds. First thirty pounds a thousand, second thirty pounds fifteen hundred. Are you serious? I swear to God. Okay, do you think that's going to help me lose weight? I'm hoping to God. Do I have any time limits to lose the weight? Start it from now. It's not like, Rock, you lose thirty pounds, you could do it by the next three years. No, 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 this year. This year, that's the only time the bet goes, right? The deal? Exactly, before it gets any worse. Okay, anything else? Trust me, you can do it. If you work on it, just put your mind in it, you can do it. Just stay away from junk food and soda. We're all looking for that date for you to lose weight. And everybody wants you to lose weight. You make everybody happy, just lose weight. You make it easier for us, you make it easier for my wife. Every night I go to sleep thinking about your weight. They're making me very depressed. That's it. I love you. I love you too. Hey, this is Rocky. I'm in my bedroom. So I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can prove to her and I can get that money. So while at work, I decided I needed something that I can write and look at that would help me 
to defeat my biggest obstacle, which is buying candy and junk food. So I wrote down this thing, and I'm going to duct tape it on my wall, on my shelf. It says, things to remember before buying candy. Candy is very good, but made me extremely obese. It is killing me very slowly. I am no longer going to have good memories. I am not going to get married, nor have kids or a family if I stay obese. And here's another sheet I wrote. This sheet says what I am now and what I will be if I don't change. I'm fat, ugly, huge, sweaty, slob, monster, big for nothing, no good. Food has my life, nothing to live for. And here's another sheet. Um, I wrote this to give me some sort of my, my hope to God goal. It says what I wish I could be. Skinny, cute, loved by everyone, accepted everywhere, high self-esteem, high confidence, more friends, comfortable, cool, happy, loved to live, happy about me, no more self-shame, love me, love life, love my body, abs, no, no flubber, no fat, no extra skin, no stretch marks. I actually feel proud while doing this. Makes me happy. What would it take for me to Sophie? Oh, sure. Rocky, how did you record that and, and where were you and the, the last sequence that we just heard? Describe recording that. Um, I was talking in my bedroom. I was actually afraid this would be the opportunity to motivate me to do this. And so I was going to record it and I just gave them a call. It's very quiet. It's my baby lady. I just want to say that I'm kind of startled that you have that self-image of yourself. I mean, I met you yesterday. I don't, it doesn't even occur to me that you're obese or, or fat. I think, I mean, I'm a little person. When I met you yesterday and I see that, that there today, I just think you're just a big guy. I'm, li I'm little, so I just wanted to tell you that I'm a little startled that you have that impression of yourself. I have two questions. Uh, first off, how long ago did you do this? How long ago? How long did you do this piece? How long ago? How long Yeah. And have you lost weight since then? No. Okay. What was the question? Uh, because I know I've struggled with that before too. Um, what, like, how do you get motivated now? Like, how do you motivate yourself to like lose weight now? Yeah, no. I just wanted to ask you if you feel um, 
if it, like a microphone really sort of makes you feel more empowered to do things or if it, if it makes it more scary or less scary to kind of talk about things. And, and if you think it, well, I guess depending on your answer, like, do you think that like, um, it's a valuable tool, you know, or how do you think it's a valuable tool for kids, all kids, you know, to kind of work with and get stories out? I was very uncomfortable with my first. We had many, many practices that were really people there's like just nothing there. That's what you have to put in mind. It's just something you're holding. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable you actually hear your voice, but the power of your voice is such, so much potential. It's unbelievable. This piece of tiffany took me a lot. I learned stuff, but I never knew what I was going to do. It's definitely amazing. I just wanted to say to you, I mean, not a question, but this is like one of the most powerful things I've pieces, radio pieces I've ever heard and I really hope you stick with it. I mean you're very talented and brave. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing once you're done with this piece, the next piece you write about other people. Keep going. Thank you so much. Sophie Rand is a radio rookie. And I might be wrong, but one of the youngest radio rookies I've ever heard of. <laughs> How old are you? Thirteen. And you, but you started when you. Can you move up to the mic up just a little so everybody can hear? And how did you get drawn into the program? So. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Is this this is your first story you've ever done? Yes, yes. And uh, tell us about it and how you decided that this was what you wanted to do. So can you, uh, we're not starting at the beginning of this piece, so um, I, can you tell us a little bit about your grandmother and yeah, um, well, your great-grandmother? And, and your great-grandmother is Bobby? No. Big Bobby. Big Bobby. Okay. Uh, my Why wasn't the first one a success, the first visit? So the second time you went to visit, what, what did you do differently? The second time I went to talk to Big Bobby, it was a little better because there weren't as many people there. This is my daughter, Sophie, my youngest. 
<laughs> she says, you're pretty. I said, just like But my side conversations kept happening. You know I'm like, say, I'm supposed to give me, give me. Yeah. That's right. What did she say? She said, whatever it was, it was. Although I wasn't part of the conversation, I was still listening to every word that she said. Whatever more was, and there's no more. It was like I wasn't even there. So my next plans were to just go and talk to Big Bobby on my own and not let their excuses like I couldn't visit because Big Bobby was too tired or weak. My fear of getting them mad or their interrupting stand in my way. But then, before I made my move, Bobby told me that Big Bobby was going to be at this pizza shop that she used to go to almost every day. I wouldn't have to go to the house or worry about people we might see. When my dad and I went to the pizza shop, it was so relieving to see just Big Bobby and Frida, her helper. That's it. Even I was amazed. She says you have a good husband. She thinks I'm your husband. My father left us alone, and I just enjoyed being there with her and Frida. And Frida was really respectful of what I wanted to say to Big Bobby. Eventually, the family arrived with their pushiness and grouchiness, and I sort of backed down. But I didn't let that get to me because I was enjoying the time I had with Big Bobby. All in all, it was a good day. We walked a little bit and there was a band playing on the sidewalk. So we all stopped to listen. Big Bobby seemed to be smiling all the time. It was great. That was my last interview with Big Bobby. In fact, that was the last time I saw her. <laughs> Big Bobby died this morning. <laughs> I'm just glad that I got doctor before she died. <laughs> I wish I got to know her more. <laughs> or that she got to know me more. <laughs> this isn't really how I wanted to end. <laughs> I was just having these emotions through the whole thing. I wasted a lot of time being scared, having guilt trips, or just being lazy. And now, I know that some people in my family can just be mean and wrong, and that they shouldn't intimidate me. I think my visits made Big Bobby happy. For WNYC, I'm rookie reporter Sophie Rand. So when you started out, you really didn't know where your story was going. And I had no idea what it was like what was gonna happen. What did you know about your grandmother before you tried to get to know her? Um I just knew that she was a Holocaust survivor, she was really old and um she was religious. I didn't really do that. What do you know about her now? Well, I realized how much she spent the time with family, and I realized much more about my family. And she's she's happy a lot before she died. Like nothing ever happened in her life. She was just always like happy. Why do you do you think people were trying to keep 
you away from her, or was it that they just didn't pay, didn't take you seriously, or what? What do you think was motivating that? Well, when I started off, I thought that they just didn't accept me at all, because I'm there's a big religious difference between us. But then I just realized that they're really overprotective over her, and they don't want to get hurt, or like they don't want to do bad actors, and they just thought that like they would only do things that would keep her safe. So. There's a part that um, we were talking about. You went one time with your dad, and can you tell that story Cause about trying to duck in the car and get in? <laughs> well, and tell us why. Tell us why you had to do it that way. Okay, well, see, whenever I would go, we always call them, like, her kids to see if she's okay for us to visit. But, of course, they either say no or they say, Yes, or we'll, we'll just lie. And this time we decided it was my birthday, and we just decided that I wanted to go visit her. So um, we didn't tell anybody, and we went, and then we saw her two of her kids, and we didn't want them to see us because we didn't want anybody to know that we tried to sneak in this year. So me and my dad had a whole fiasco of hiding in the car and driving around the neighborhood five times. And he kept thinking that there were relatives pulling up behind him and getting the license plate number. Yeah, and I told him that he should take off his young so people wouldn't recognize that he's Jewish. And we ended up thinking. Incredible story, really. Thank you. Are there questions for Sophie? Have you questions for both Sophie and Rocky? I love radio Rocky's work. I just think it's great and just had the opportunity to use it in a show that I'm going to have on later on in the year. Um, how much writing and rewriting gets done and how much editing and re-editing gets done and how much of that is done by you and how much of that is done with supervision and without supervision? The writing, there's a lot of writing and we do all that. And uh, for the editing, like, there's an editor that helps us, but we're included in that, but it's just a lot of doing and redoing. And I mean, how many drafts were you, I mean, will you rewrite it ten times, two times? Well, usually the different parts in the script, you write it over at least ten times. But there are probably about three to five times. And then the mixing, is that done by you or is that no, done? We're not really doing that. I mean, we're, we know about what's, what they're doing, but we're not actually using the equipment to mix it. I guess who lays it out to say, okay, well, at this point, we're going to hear me talking to my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and then it's going to be me talking some more. Do you lay that out, or...? Oh, that's really... Yeah. Like, how we want it to be planned. Hmm. Fantastic. It's just, it's just, it's just great. Thank you.
Um, I just wanted to add, and you did an amazing thing because during a really emotional moment you caught it on tape, um, which is really difficult to do, and I'm just wondering how long you had your recorder with you leading up to that moment, or you know, if it was after the event and later on, you, and during another emotional moment you taped yourself, but just that instinct to capture that on tape is really sophisticated and just kind of amazing, so I'm just curious about that. What happened was I found out and then I was I was emotional about like what just happened. So I got out my tape recorder, but I didn't take it with me to the funeral, which was just a couple hours later. But I did record I got the tape after afterwards after I found out. I have a question. Um, or comment for you. I'd like the way Sophie that you use music in your piece. I just like that one sort of theme that you have. Um, and Rocky, that kind of segue is to you. Rocky, there's no music in your piece so far, and I know it's not finished. And a lot of the people that we've been hearing this week, and there's always a big music is a huge presence, and there's a lot, it's used a lot to set the ambience. And with you, it's just your narration mostly that really sets the ambience, and it's very powerful. But I, I know this is finished. Are, are you hearing, is there going to be music in this, or is it going to be your narration and the themes that you listen back? Um, unless the music means something to me, I don't think so. I really don't. I, it would just confuse me more to put music in or the sound of it. It's basically nothing. Unless it means something to me. So we speak that with your grandmother singing. So, yes. I have a music that comes out for that means something powerful to me about the piece that I do this. I just have a question sort of for anyone out there, everyone, I guess. Um, it seems like, unfortunately, a lot of you came to your program sort of accidentally or because your parents knew some, you know, knew someone or came with you lost or stumbled across it. I mean, what could, what could these programs and public radio in general do better to kind of, you know, get, get it out there that these programs exist and that um, get more people sort of interested and involved. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I know our program has gotten, we started advertising in the newspaper and kind of other places other than the newsletter, I mean, as the years have gone on. So I think we've actually done a better job of recruiting people. Um, but actually going back to the question before, is like my friends either don't listen to radio or don't even know NPR exists. So I'm not even sure what mediums are on NPR. I, I mean, I listen to some like This American Life for the more story things. Sometimes I listen to the news. But I haven't really found any programming that I like to listen to, so I, I couldn't even tell you what medium you could reach out to kids on. Um, but I, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, I don't know. If you put, like, flyers up in schools, it might work some. But I think the majority of people are just word of mouth, and they're like, like you talk to your friend. Like, I talk to my friends, and I have, like, friends that come, or trying to come and start getting into the program and whatnot. So word of mouth is the main one. I'm Serena. I'm Serena. I'm the producer of Radio Rookies. And, um, we actually do a number of different things to recruit the teenagers. So, you know, Rocky heard through his mother, Sophie heard through her mother, but she heard through her mother because we partner with community centers in the neighborhood. So once we pick a community center that we partner with, we ask them to help us with the recruiting to get kids in the neighborhood. So for example, in this Midwood workshop, 
we went to the basketball program at the community center homes, and that's where uh, Lanier was there in the gray shirt and Rizwan in the white shirt. That's how they came to it. Um, Michael, his sister was a radio rookie, is a radio rookie, Janelle over there, and that's how he came to it. Allison came to radio rookies through our website. Nisi came through another community center, not even the one that we did her workshop at. When we did a workshop in Hunts Point, I contacted somebody I knew at another community center. So we work a lot with the communities. Uh, in the case of uh, Staten Island workshop, the community center wasn't able to recruit a lot of kids, so I went to school, which is something we don't normally do. Or sometimes I'll just stand outside in the neighborhood and like hand out applications. But normally kids, unless they think it's like DJ, they're not that interested, unless you get them really one-on-one -on -one or through the context of some organization that they feel comfortable in. So, <clears throat> I was also going to say that uh, some kids like the, the opportunity to have internship work, and you can offer it like that. Or uh, some schools, if they do not carry a radio kind of program, they also offer credits for communication. And that's the way we do it as well. We offer other internships, you know, that can experience or credits for school. And a lot of kids will get interested like that. Do you have any questions for anybody out there? Before I close things up, I think we're supposed to... Close at three. Or are there any more questions? Sure. I was just wondering if the two rookie stories